Hello, I am Amanda Wacker. Hello, I am Lenise Castro. Sadiha, I'm Asama Lakpua. Shribso, I'm Amira No. And we are the Triplicates. Welcome to the 12th episode of season two of the Triplicates podcast. We are three and a guest, first generation women of color currently in the second year of our PhD program at the University of California, San Diego. So last episode, we talked about self-care, what we do, what people have told us to do, and what we aim to do in the future. In this episode, we'll be chatting with my friend Amira, who is a fellow PhD student and a parent at UCSD. Welcome, Amira. Would you like to introduce yourself and identities that are important to you? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Um, As Asama said, I am a fellow grad student, so I'm doing my PhD in ethnic studies. Um, I also identify as Cambodian American, first generation, woman of color, um, a new mom, although it's been almost a year. I still feel new. (laughs) Um, What else? Neurodivergent, um, amateur gardener, amateur cook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, so you and Osama know each other from CAing. Yes. Yeah, yeah I I was a CA and I like held some arts and crafts events, um, and then we just talked about different topics. And Osama came to like all, like pretty much all of them. I think. <laughs> That's how fun. Yeah. And then we just ended up like being in the same like organizing spaces and I don't know. And then we just vibed. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess I could start us off by, you know, beyond like introducing your name, your identities. Um, Could you give us sort of like a brief uh, description or introduction to what is it that you do? Um, for your PhD studies, what your research questions are? Oh, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um, started out actually doing pre-med psychology because I wanted to be a psychiatrist, decided that it was not for me and that being, I think, on the patient side of things too kind of um, influenced my decision. And then I years later decided to do international relations. Um, And then like in that um, learned a lot about like uh, different groups in peace and conflict scenarios. And then found that a lot of the um, accounts kind of related to my background story and my family's history. So um, long story short, right now I'm doing my PhD on transgenerational trauma, but um, less focusing on the negative aspects and more on the healing, the resiliency of um, second generation Cambodian Americans. Um, so yeah, just looking at like different ways, kind of um, thinking about how to decolonize the work of global mental health or global health in general. Mm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I think this I is the first speechless. time we've had someone not a biologist on the podcast. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love that. As for a research question, I don't know if I have any <laughs> research questions. <laughs> relatable that's okay right it's it's not an interview by any means but I think it's it's really neat like every time I talk to you it's 
like completely different worlds from what mm. I do. And there's so much going on. Um, speaking of being in a different world, um, we one of the big goals for this episode was to learn about your experience being a grad student and a parent and how all of that is going. So I guess, where do you usually start when talking about this type of topic? Like, um, what's it like? <laughs> it's going. <laughs> um, no, today's actually good. We actually just had our babysitter start. It was her first day today. And I think after a year of not having childcare, it's mm-hmm. been a relief. So it was like a lot of walkthrough, but we're like super hopeful. And again, Asama was the one to connect us. So <laughs> it's working out. And so we're excited about that. <laughs> Yay. I love Amber. Shout out to Amber. I'll make her listen. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wait, so what year in your PhD are you like you had your child during? Yeah. So I, I'm a third year right now. Okay. Um, it that took a while to think. Um, and I had her during the pandemic. So second year, um, the end of my second year. So I, it was planned. I was like, okay, if it's going to happen, it's going to have to be after courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the last quarter. So I was like, screw it. Let me just do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can do it. (laughs) So after courses, Mm -hmm. so I guess I'm only aware about what a biology PhD entails in terms of like interface. So like having to physically be somewhere. A Mm -hmm. lot of our work is done at the bench. Yeah. If you're a wet lab scientist. Um, But I guess is it the first year mostly where you have courses and you have to physically be somewhere to fulfill your PhD requirements? Yes. And it, sorry. And no, go after ahead. that, are you able to kind of like do your thing and go places as you please and like write and research, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's dependent on your research. Um, and then also, I think just with the pandemic, it's a little wonky. Um, so we had, you know, in-person classes for the first year, but typically you would have you know, in-person classes for the first two years. And then after that, it's almost independent. Um, which has its pros and cons. Um, and so, yeah, it depends on like your field work or what you're doing. A lot of people do like border work. And so that takes you out to mine's not really. Um, and I have actually have been able to um, make connections and do my work remotely. And I actually got closer to my community because of that online format. And then kind of like the zoom, you know, world just made everyone more comfortable to like meet each other like this and get comfortable. And so we were able to foster like, you know, like pretty deep relationships, um, during the pandemic with people. So, yeah, I think, um, because like we're not tied to the lab or anything like that. I think it makes it a little bit easier to, um, you know, for me make that decision. Um, but I think even still, even if I had to, I, I was in the mindset of like, if I'm pregnant and I have to TA, I'm bringing my child to office hours and in yeah. the class if I need to, like it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then I got my feisty little girl and um, I was like, mm, maybe that's not going to happen. <laughs> maybe we'll have to like support, you know, students with dependents another way. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a like PI? Like, do you have someone that you are working directly under? Yeah. So I have a faculty advisor mm. um, 
and, you know, that's the chair of my committee. Um, and yeah, she's, um, you know, Professor Yenis Spiritu, so very um, distinguished in the field and just very understanding too. So that's helpful because I hear horror stories from other parents with their PIs and um, it's really unfortunate. Um, and I mean, it just also makes me feel more passionate to just advocate for, you know, better understanding and better resources and stuff like that. Like mentioning support along with not only your PI, but also outside of that academic circle, like, have you been, have you felt supported in terms of being able to like, like take maternity, maternity leave and like, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) I know I'm getting into deep questions. Maybe it was too fast. I don't know. This is good. (laughs) Or like feeling supported, like you have housing that's available to you here in San Diego. Um, Cause I know it's an issue for like undergrads and grad students just in general. Yeah, no, I feel strongly (laughs) about the fact that there needs to be significant improvements um, in terms of support and resources, um, particularly from like the institutional level um, mm-hmm. and like actual concrete support and yeah. resources. Right. Um, I, you know, to me, it was kind of a shock because I had assumed given the amount of families that I see both at the undergrad and graduate level and just like even staff, postdocs, everybody, there's not a center on campus for students with dependents. And so, you know, we can start there. Um, I think, you know, there, and, and there's not even like a dedicated staff to help um, students with dependents. And that's like caregiver in like the broadest sense. Right. Um, and So I think that was difficult. Um, And where I found my support was that I, I was lucky in that I took a class and one of the other girls had a baby and I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant. I have no idea how to navigate like things like insurance and all of that. Like, Mm -hmm. so I think finding other people have been the most helpful, the most informative and like, the social support that like, I think you do need. And for me, it was difficult because it was during the pandemic. So, you know, everything was remote and now it's a little bit better where we're starting to see families. And so you start to connect and share resources that way. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, in the beginning it was like, I thought I was going crazy because I was getting frustrated with like, you know, you talk to so many people, and nobody had an answer. And it felt like you were the first pregnant student that they had to deal with, um, which, you know, wasn't the case. And then I find out like all these other moms were like, yeah, we pride during pregnancy, just how difficult it is to navigate the university and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and so they put together like list and Google drives. And um, so it's other parents who did that and share those resources. And then, you know, we, we add people onto it that make it possible. But um, yeah, it would be nice to have something more formal to, you know, um, get that kind of support. So the students with dependence group, is that just like a bunch of friends? It's not like an office, not like funded by any form of 
school related things? It's very informal. Like they have some support from like grad division, mm-hmm. but I I thought it was like a like a committee with a, a committed staff, you know. And then I'm on the committee now, so it's literally a bunch of other it's a bunch of other grad students with kids. Um, and who just feel passionate about it and who take our issues to, you know, uh, to the ad, the, the board, um, to grad division and, and yeah. yeah. And just kind of, I think right now with, you know, the pandemic kind of, you know, well, I guess not the pandemic itself, but the policies on the pandemic are easing up. We're, we're trying to do like more events and, um, connect, um, but yeah, it's it's through student organizing. I have a question about, you said that you talked to the board. Like, are you guys coming to them with like, we want X, Y, and Z? And they're like, mm, we'll give you A, B, C. Like, what is that like situation with them? Yeah, so we had a demonstration recently and it was in conjunction with the union. So mm-hmm. just asking for fair labor well, practices, right? And rights. Yeah. Um, and in that, they were also... Um, calling for greater assistance. So for example, a quarter, uh, because of COVID, UCSD is reimbursing um, 1100 per quarter though, mm-hmm. um, which helps, but it's like not enough, right? Yeah. And and I think um, if you think about like the average, so the average childcare around here is like $20 an hour and that's super fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks to have to go back and be like, hey, we can't afford that. Can you lower your price? Because I think in that the university contributes to, um, you know, not not just like the exploitation of the grad students, but like also the people who are providing like childcare service, like you're because then they have to meet like the demands, um, you know, like if people can't afford to pay the prices and they have to lower the prices for their work, that's not fair either. So yeah, I, so it's asking for just better labor practices, more resources like a center. Um, and yeah, we're just kind of, I don't know how familiar you are with like the COLA initiative with grad housing, um, like rent hikes. So that movement, um, it, it's kind of the same where it's, you know, they're counting beds instead of bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah. I mean, how does that make sense for families? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a lot of back and forth and like negotiating and bargaining at the moment. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. I think it's just going to take time, but it's good to put pressure and it's good that people are willing to put pressure. Even those who don't have um, children have come out to support, which is amazing. Yeah. That's really good to see like people coming together. I think um, right now, especially there's been a lot of movements with the, like the organization of the grad student union of people being like, we're all in this together. And, you know, even if it's not affecting you, like this is, these are your peers. These are the people that you're standing next to every day when you go to work. Like, we have to take care of each other. So it's really nice to see that yeah. we're also supporting like um, people, students with dependents in that movement as well. Yeah. A hundred percent through like talking. I mean, I don't have a kid, but like <laughs> he, my PI does postdocs in my lab. Do I see that? I mean, and you kind of mentioned it now too, right? Like finding childcare is difficult. Um, is is it also really difficult to get the childcare through like the one that's down the street here at the school? Yeah. Yeah. And so um, 
I have her enrolled, not enrolled, um, waitlisted there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a two-year waitlist. So <laughs> years. yeah, it's two years. So, and that's like minimum. So, you know, if you're a master's student and your program is two years, like good luck. Right. Um, yeah. and then it's also income based. And so the tuition I think per month is around $2,000. Um, yeah, it's insane. So the, it, yeah, exactly. And, and plus some, right. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so it's like, okay, again, here's presented like the resources, but then again, it's not really accessible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's part of the issue. Um, we've been looking, but as soon as like a person becomes available, like for they're like, oh, I can nanny certain times, literally on Facebook, it's like 60 comments within like half a day. Cause that's how, <laughs> how much people need childcare. And especially now, um, you know, while we're like still working kind of hybrid. Um, but yeah, it's, it was difficult. I think, um, yeah, I mean, but then I feel like I, we need to give ourselves credit for being able to have done it for a year. So sometimes I like my husband gets really angry about it, but I'm like, Hey, we've done it for a year though. Like, I don't know how, but we did it for a year, you know? Um, it, for us, um, it took like a while. So we'll, we do this thing called our power hour and basically we switch every three hours. So three hours, I'll try to get everything done, TAing, job, school, everything done in that three hours. And then he watches the baby for three hours and then we switch. But then, you know, you go from like sometimes putting 10 hours a day in, into your work to three hours. It's like super like minimal. It doesn't even make sense. But, um, you know, I mean, I guess his school and um, his support has been less than mine. So that's been difficult. Um, and then when I had her, um, it was the end of spring quarter. So it was nice to have that summer um to like bond and to not have as much responsibilities for me. But um, yeah, I mean, that's another thing we could talk about too, is like maternity leave, which is insane. Yeah. How does that work? Cause it's like for us, I think if we don't work, we don't get paid. So mm-hmm. how, like, do they cut, do you get a full stipend? Do they cut any of it? Like how do they, how long do you get? Yeah. So um if you're a student worker, you get at like full-time, you, well, not full-time. I think it's at least 20 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you get six weeks of paid maternity leave. Um, in So, but then in California, you're also, um, you can also get like an additional 12 weeks of leave for bonding, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And so technically I actually qualified for that because I've worked with the university like UCSD since like 2008. Um, wow. Yeah. So I've been here forever. Um, but since my status changed from like staff to student worker, I lost out on those, those 12 weeks. So they didn't give that to me. So I only got the bare minimum of the six weeks, which is not even enough. Like that's not even recovery time. Like, you know, Um yeah. So again, I, I think like that just goes to show like the exploitation, but um, 
for me, it was just timing it with the quarter system and then just working it out informally with like my department. Like, mm-hmm. hey, at the time I was supposed to do my comprehensive exams. I don't know if you have that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was like, it's not, I, I need to do an incomplete and I need to push it. And so, yeah, it's just working with a department and in your committee. And I've been fortunate in that regards, but um, yeah, it's, I was also working three jobs when I was pregnant. So (laughs) um, just to like make it work. Yeah. Because the thing is like um, a lot of the staff that we talk to encourage you to go on to your partner's insurance or to have the child go on to your partner's insurance. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's a huge assumption that you're you know, that your partner is working, which mine isn't because my, my partner's an international student, so he can't work outside of his university. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And the health insurance for babies was also like, I think another $2,000 per, it was insane. It was like, didn't make sense. And so they push you to, you know, either go that route, like go on your partner's benefits or, you know, look into government state, like, Mm -hmm. Um, federal assistance. So those are kind of like your options. (laughs) So why would they recommend that you or push you to go on your partner's insurance? Like is our school provided insurance just like not covering a dependent? Like it's expensive. And so they're like, if you want to shop around, like you should consider, because sometimes I think the if your com- if your partner's working and they their company might have a better insurance policy. So that's why they're pushing it. Um, but I mean, I think UCSD, you know, with all the bashing that I just did, <laughs> like um, the, the insurance is still pretty competitive. Like um during the pregnancy, um you get about, I think, 90% of your medical expenses covered, which is pretty significant. But then again, 10% looks differently for everybody too and everybody's like journey. So um, mine wasn't like, I didn't have a super difficult pregnancy. Um, I had a difficult postpartum, but um, there were some out-of-pockets that were still in the couple of thousands, um, but a couple thousands is still lots of some people, you know? Um, yeah. So that 10% looks different if you're, you know, knock on wood, like a parent that had a child that had to be in the NICU, like, what does that look like? Um, mm-hmm. so I think, um, yeah, it's generous, but I think it, it's gonna vary. Yeah. Um, are there any, like myths or stigmas about being a student parent that maybe you hear and you're like, that's not the situation at all. Do you know any myths or <laughs> stereotypes that I can break? Listen, or confirm? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one of them is that you don't need to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I guess the baby that. wakes you up. Yeah, I think it'll be dependent on your child. I thought I'm like, I'm a night owl. I could do this. It's so different. Like it was so different. Um yeah, I I think um I think kind of going back to that whole six weeks thing, it feels like it takes a lot longer to recover than six weeks. Um 
like physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, emotionally was probably the more difficult hurdle. Um, and then I think with COVID and just pregnancy, like I put on the like 40 pounds and, and that kind of made it difficult for like walking and things like that, like movements. So I would have been having hip issues mm-hmm. um, and no one really talks about this. And so I thought I was like, weird you know like I was like am I the only one because I was like everyone just seemed to like quote unquote bounce back yeah I'm like I have not been bouncing back (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah I don't know um that that's been difficult and so I don't I don't know and I didn't know what the postpartum journey was supposed to look like and then you go from like having appointments every week to like one appointment afterwards and then that's it. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> you know, like it's my first one. So I think that's hard. Um, I think it's also for me, like during the pandemic, because no one saw like the physical change, like the belly that mm. get like, you get like voices of support, but you constantly have to remind people and like really advocate for like your boundaries and the expectations, because I'm like, I literally can't do this, like yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I think that was hard, but I think also like, um, you know, I think like I'm voicing all these challenges, but I also feel like maybe people think, well, you chose this, <laughs> you know? So, um, like versus seeing those problems as a challenge themselves, it's mm-hmm. like that choice becomes like the fixation. So I think that that's hard, but um, I think like I've been told mm-hmm. before by male counselors um, that if I wanted to go to grad school mm-hmm. Um, or that if I wanted to be a parent, then grad school probably isn't the good choice for me or that because I, uh, yeah. And I've also had a psychologist tell me that, um, because, uh, you know, I have ADHD and bipolar and I have a hard time, you know, um, with school that maybe grad school wasn't for me. And especially if I wanted children because I'd have to go off my meds. And so, yeah, that's kind of almost deterred me. Yeah. Um, cause it kind of puts you like you can either have one or the other. You can't yeah. have both, which isn't true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many of us who are doing that. And I think I've had, um, I had a mentor who was like the director of the nursing program at UCSD. I think she's retired now. And she was like, I was like going to school in the South, like in this age when women didn't even get their PhDs and I had a baby during that time and it worked. Like. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's like probably the biggest myth, like even though there's all these challenges, I think you can still make it work. Yeah. Can I say my female undergrad PI that I worked under, she had two kids during grad school and she told me the best time for you to have kids is during grad school because. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, and I'm like, I'm like. Clock is ticking. I got three years left. Mm-hmm. No prospects. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Why three years? Um, but yeah, oh so like God. also in my lab. So it's um, we have a, a postdoc who's like she just started her postdoc and she's like they've been married for ten years. They were like doing a long distance relationship. Now they're together. Husband's like he got a, a big boy job and he's like okay time to have kids and she's like um. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's never a good time for me to have yeah. children right now. Like I need to, I'm in a postdoc. I need to be productive. I can't take six months off. You know, I like work with all these really harsh chemicals, like not mm-hmm. great for a baby probably. Like, so I'm just like, this is so stressful. There's, and then you, and when you're early faculty, the first five years, you got to be super productive. So like, what am I supposed to wait till I get tenure? Yeah. Maybe in this job market, if there's even a tenure track position for me when I graduate, like it's like ridiculous. There's not ever a good time. Mm-hmm. So you just got to pick like what's the biggest, like the <laughs> smallest L I'm willing to take right now. And it's like mm, going to be broke in grad school and like try to figure this out. Like, OK. Yeah. No, I feel you. I mean, I like I've been complaining and I've been saying about all these challenges, but I I kind of agree. Like the best time is during grad school because you're still like afforded some flexibility yeah. with your time at least. Yeah. Um and yeah, so I mean again, I imagine it'd be different if you're working in in those environment, right? But I still think um yeah, I mean, there's no good time. So there's always going to be something that comes up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like also I've waited long and I feel like by law, I can't like, you know, my biological clock is ticking. So I can't really like push it off and I don't have the means to like go the alternative routes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think about that and I'm like, well, you know, the insurance, like, I mean, I don't know. I I also feel like I'm a first gen student. I grew up broke. My parents probably had me under just as rough, if not like, you know, um, more challenging circumstances Mm -hmm. and I'm okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you made it here. We're chilling. Yeah. So, you know, she'll be okay. Yeah. I saw a tweet or something where it's like, you look at your parents first, like, First gen immigrants over here, and you're like, you raised two kids off of this, <laughs> and I can barely survive. Like, bro, what? that's what I'm thinking. I was like, I don't know how my mom raised two children. I think I made more than my mom made, like when I was raising, like when she was raising us. And I'm like, and we were over here crying in Walmart yeah. about some toy. <laughs> you're trying to put food on the table. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, I don't know. I feel like my parents, did, I don't know. I was like, I'm used to being poor. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to be used to this, but I am. Yeah. So I think that, I don't know, like that background makes it a little bit easier than I probably imagine it would for some other folks who probably mm-hmm. haven't been in similar situations. But, you know, I also feel like I'm also at a point in my life where I have the right to demand for sufficient support, you know? So that's also one reason why I'm like, um, I'm just, I'm going to do it because I'm going to figure a way out. And if not, I'm going to ask for it because, Mm -hmm. you know, um, especially like all that we're doing and like producing for the university and and our contributions to school, like Mm -hmm. I'm not even asking for a lot. I'm just asking Mm -hmm. for like sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, livable wage. How about yeah, that? Above yeah. the poverty line? Can yeah, we do that one? Yeah. Top 10 public university in the nation? What's yeah. wrong with that? <laughs> bunk beds. Not the bunk the, beds. Yeah. housing. <laughs> I was like, oh, is my child supposed to be like roommates with like another? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who said that was okay. I don't know who told them. <laughs> and they have family in there like it's it's not just grad housing it's graduate and family yeah. Yeah. Like what? it's like an asterisk <laughs> yeah. I do have a question okay so 
if you're a family, do they not have the two-year limit on your lease? Well, that's a good question. They do. Um, yeah. So I've seen, I, it's actually heartbreaking and I don't know if I, so I'm not going to say who it is, but I saw someone had commented. She was a single mom. Her time ended on that two-year thing mm-hmm. and she's couch surfing with her son right now, mm-hmm. like trying to find a place because they can't find any situation. I don't know what the situation is, but yeah. um, that kind of like, that sends chills down me because yeah. Um, yeah, I can't imagine being single mom and like, you know, having to find housing while you're still, she's like still, I think, trying to finish up her program or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So housing here is not affordable mm -mm. at all. Even Mm -mm. like with someone who's not paying to support another human being, like it is rough out here. Yeah. And I can't imagine there's also like a lot of international families. So I can't, like, what are they going to do? I don't know. Um, I am fortunate that I am on the shores program. Yeah. So it covers through my entire program, but mm-hmm. it was also something that I had to negotiate. And I said, you know, <laughs> this other school is offering me more. Like, what can you do to give me? I need housing. I need to get relocated. And yeah. um, I think that's also something that they don't tell you when you apply to grad school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know is that you can negotiate your financial package. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like, what do you have to lose except hearing a no so I just yeah. asked for everything I could think of um but and when mind knowing that like some you know within the six years or whatever that I would I wanted a family mm-hmm. yeah 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 they so for us at least like my experience um Lenise and I are also on Shores um mm-hmm. and the way I found out about Shores so for people listening Shores is like uh I think it's a retention initiative yeah, I think or so. Or something. Um, so usually people only get two years to live in grad housing, but on shores you get to live in grad housing for the length of the or the average length of your program. And that's like depending on what program. Um I also I think some there's something with the medical students that they also I don't think they're on shores specifically, but there's something where they can stay longer if they're getting their masters in between. Um so anyways, but the only reason I know about it is because another grad student during my interview weekend was like you need to ask mm-hmm. the guy who's like running things. You need to ask Trevor about shorts. They don't tell you about it, mm-hmm. but you can get six years. Da, 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 da. They don't advertise it, but you need to go ask him. And I said, okay. I walked over to him and I was like, hey, someone asked me about shorts. Can we like get me on that list? And he was like, okay. I don't tell people anymore because every time I offer someone shorts, they they say no. Last oh. year, I gave, I, we gave offers to people and they all said no. Oh, I'm like, who Ooh, says no people. to six yeah. years? <laughs> Well, now of affordable housing. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say yes. That's true. I mean, now, yeah, it's true. Are you? And it was like, it was like, for me, I was coming from Florida, and my biggest thing was like, I have to be in, like, I mean, it was pandemic had not started yet. Like, I, mm-hmm. I interviewed February of 2020. So, like, the, my, my mindset was like, I have to be in California. I know that like housing is crazy. And I want to make sure that I have a, if I get off a plane, I have a house that is mine that I, you know, this is like where I live. Yeah. So like, that was like the, I was like, okay, like that, that's like sealed the entire thing for me was like, I know I'm, when I get off the, like wherever I get off, I'm going to be okay. And I have a place to live. That's like such a, a big insecurity for a lot of people. So for them to be like, yes, grad and family housing, but in two years, y'all figure it out. Like, I, yeah. I don't think that's 
reasonable for them to say it all to to anybody, honestly. Yeah. And like, especially if they're saying like, oh, we support families. You better take that shit out of your name. Hello? Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm upset for you. The, like, hair, <laughs> the hair flip after. <laughs> um, although I do want to like add the, I don't know, for a lot of schools, like, the condition and the just like idea of grad housing is like terrible. Like for example, my partner went to grad school somewhere else and he's like, yeah, I don't ever want to live in grad housing. It's more expensive. It's more restrictive. It's like small. It looks ugly. So I think people have like a very different view of like, it's affordable, but like maybe it's bad. Um, But now like given all the prices of everything going up around here, I'm like, it's okay. I will live in a shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know oh, how goodness. some people live in a shoebox with multiple <laughs> in grad housing because mine does not have storage. <laughs> um, well, on that note, is there anything else? Any tidbit? Any fun facts? Anything you would like to add at this point? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I we talked a lot about challenges, but I also don't want that to deter people from thinking, you know, that they can't or shouldn't. Um, yeah, so I just kind of, like, wanted to reiterate that. I know, like, I mean, I don't know. I think for my philosophy is I don't like to see, like, having kids as, like, an economic value or devalue, which I feel like our generation tends to do mm. but I also don't want to like not acknowledge the financial obligations that come with having kids right mm-hmm. um so yeah I just feel like it'll work out I mean I don't know I'm always in that mindset it'll just work out like if I have to ask for assistance if I have to rely on the pantry like so be it much child's eating like you know mm-hmm. and yeah I um I don't know I think um I think it's just advocating and um um I like self-advocating and I think I learned that a lot during like this whole journey I guess like even now I'm still remote teaching um and I know everyone's going back and there was a little pushback against that but I'm like unless y'all can find me childcare, unless y'all want to watch my child for me like yeah. by all means you know I I would be happy to go back in person. It's just not feasible. Like, mm-hmm. um, so that's how I got remote teaching, but um, it's going to end soon. And um, we're just, yeah, I think just may, yeah. And then just being there for each other um, has been helpful. Um, I'm planning to do um, an event with the committee, not only just for um, students with dependents, but those who need that extra cash and want to be childcare providers, um, mm. uh, pet sitters and all that, like mm. just having like a, like a social um, mm. and uh, yeah. Cause um you know, we all got bills to pay and I don't think it's fair when the university tells us that we can't, you know, pick up extra work because we need the money. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. If you don't want us to work, pay us a fair wage. Yeah, exactly. Let's yeah. do that. And then you don't have to get a second job. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, it's it's been cool. And I think like the silver lining in all of this is that 
I got to spend a lot of time with baby in, in probably ways that I wouldn't have if I was working a regular job or if there wasn't a pandemic. I mean, some days are just too much bonding time, but um, (laughs) in the grand scheme of things, it's been great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love just like going on my walks and then I see you or your husband like walking with the stroller and your baby just like throwing a fit. I'm like, ah, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Hello. it's 10 p.m. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish everybody they have like this sweet child. I mean, there's some parents who are like my child like sleeps, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like so happy for you. <laughs> Not my story. <laughs> they say the worst one's always the, the feisty one, or that's what I've heard. I was. I am a first <laughs> child. Um, my parents will never let me forget it. Um, I hear the opposite. I mean, like I've heard like um, the first one like gives you like this false, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> expectation yeah. that like, oh, it's okay. We can have more. And the second one's like the devil. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Amanda. That's you, Amanda? No, I think, well, my brother was uh, the demon baby. To the point where my mom was like, I don't know if I want this other child. (laughs) Let's take a little break. We'll hear from our sponsors. And we have a nice little question on our way back. See you on the other side. Canva Pro is a premium plan of Canva that comes with additional features, including unlimited storage for photos and assets. You can upload your own images and access millions of photos. You'll get exclusive access to 400,000 free photos, illustrations, and templates. Sign up and get a 30-day free trial with our link. So you can make cool things to put up on your walls or flyers to promote your events. And you can do this by going to this link, partner.canva.com slash triplicates. Check study gives you access to homework help and allows you to look up answers to questions found in textbooks, which check keeps as a database. You can also submit new questions to experts and get answers to them as little as 30 minutes. Use the code CHEG AFF5. That is all capital letters C H E G G A F F 5 for $5 off your first month of check. All right. Welcome back, everyone. And before we say goodbye, I just wanted to ask Amira one last big question, which is if your daughter finds this little old podcast (laughs) and listens to this episode, what would you like to tell her? Um... Well, you didn't sleep while I was, um, <laughs> I put you down while you were making this podcast. <laughs> You're with dad right now. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know what I'm walking into, but um, I, I like love being with you and I don't regret it regardless of all the challenges. And um, yeah, it's good to know that um, there are challenges, but there has also been blessings um, and you're a blessing. Um, yeah, I, that's what I would, that's what I would summarize it as. Oh, love the women. We love that. I'm going to cry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for that. So to round out our show, uh, we're going to do 
some observations, run some stats in our data. This week, we have a question from Lenise. I do. I have a question. So previous to recording the pod, I was scrolling Twitter, as my PI probably thinks I do for hours and hours on end. Um, (laughs) And I came across um, a tweet by at Yesenia Tweets, and they um, said something along the lines of the question I'm about to say. And the question is, are you young, beautiful, and successful? And should you be on a rooftop bar drinking a fruity cocktail at all times? I <laughs> believe that I should be. Don't know why I'm not there now, but it's because we wanted to record a very important podcast. <laughs> that was a bit of pass. Um, uh, Asama, what about you? You don't have to be. It's okay. You don't have to be. You, you can, can be young, no. beautiful, and successful and not be on a rooftop bar. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I got to stay away from the sun these days. I uh, got a pretty bad sunburn. Go <laughs> um, but at night it's cold. So There's I don't no know. I, I think I have become a soft San Diego transplant. So I'm going to say no for now. But if anyone needs a designated driver, I will be there. Love a designated Very driver. kind of you. Um, yes. Amanda? I would like. And we'll cash in on that because I do want to be young, beautiful, and successful on a rooftop bar with a pretty <laughs> cocktail in my hand, okay? It's my time. <laughs> I have one right now. I've been drinking this whole time. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Passion fruit. Hard kombucha situation. No. Okay. So, okay. I'm drinking not, water. Not on a rooftop. <laughs> Amira? I would say 100%. Um, I'm 21 in my mind. Um, <laughs> even my body does not agree with that. Um, I feel young, beautiful, successful, and yes. I would be wasted with fruity cocktails on a rooftop. <laughs> As we should be, okay? <laughs> you a babysitter now. Look it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can't, I'm not. I'm like a heavyweight. Like I used to be a heavyweight, and then now, like it gets me so little to get drunk, and I love being a cheap drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It's a yes. It's so fun. (laughs) So with that, seventy-five percent of the PhD students in our study want to be and think that they deserve to be a young, beautiful, successful um, person on a rooftop bar drinking a fruity cocktail, twenty-four-seven. Lovely, Asama. Amazing. Well, thanks for. The question and the stats roundup. So, like every episode, once again, if there's any topic or any interview, a question you would like us to cover, or literally anything you want to hear from us, just reach out. And you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TripleGitsPod. And you can email us at TripleGitsPod at gmail.com. If you like us, support us on patreon.com slash TripleGitsPod. And with that, obrigada y chao. Gracias y adiós. Kapunka, bye. Akun chiripsua or chiriblia. Bye.